Before we begin, uh, she's not even in the room right now, I don't think. Uh, we are, we have, a, we have a first time guest this morning. Do not turn and look at her. You will embarrass her. Uh, her name is Heidi. And if you meet someone named Heidi later when you're talking to people, she's the one who did all the painting in the children's wing. And she did a fantastic job. Um, if you meet someone named Heidi, you would, you, you'll say, oh, you're the one. And she'll say, oh, no. But she did. She did it. She did a great job. Uh, <laughs> she painted these pillars out here. People looked. I was pointing at things that are outside. I do that sometimes. <laughs> you know, Gillum. Uh, she painted the pillars and the walls and did a good job and uh, has joined us today to worship with us. And we're, we're glad to have her. Um, I have some children. We think three. Uh, sometimes it feels like we have, we own more children than that. Um, I actually, uh, I'll, uh, Paisley is over at our house sometimes, and what I hear a lot when uh, Nolan is there, when Paisley is visiting, like a good host, Nolan will often remind Paisley that nothing belongs to her. <laughs> He'll say, mine! The other day, he wouldn't quit. He just, he just wouldn't quit. He was, he, he'd say, mine! Mine! I said, Nolan, mine! Mine! He's like, don't you understand, Dad? This is mine! And I put my hand on him, you know, alpha male-like, and said, nothing is yours. You own Nothing. He didn't understand it. But I looked serious enough that he stopped talking, which was the goal. Of, that's really the goal of parenting, is just to get the child to stop talking. And that's the only amen I'll get this, this morning. But there is, there was, there's just a sense in kids like, oh, I own that. You don't own that. I own that. You, you didn't pay for that. Actually, I probably didn't even buy that. There's a good chance the toys I'm throwing away were given to you by family members who don't live with you every day and know that you have everything under the sun. Like, oh, we love you. We're not going to give you any space to live. Just, we're going to tamp the house full of children's gifts. Don't do that. We don't want it. My aunt... Got my son a drum set for Christmas. Was She doesn't even love us. But we like to own things. We like to have things. It's a big deal whenever we pay off the car. So we can go give it back and get another payment. Pretty excited about that when that happens. We like to have the last payment, the last, the, the, we like to have things. We like to feel like we've earned things. We don't like to be given things. Now, we kind of like to be given things, but we like to feel like we earned them a little. And when someone gives us things or gives us a thing, sometimes we'll say, oh, no, what do we always say? It's not thank you at first. Oh, you shouldn't have. You shouldn't have done this. Or 
Someone invites you over. You go, you leave, you get in the car, you're heading home. They fed you a meal. Oh, we're going to have to have them over later as payback. Because we can't accept grace. We have a hard time accepting things that we don't earn. And we, we like for things to be ours. We like to own them. And Paul says we own something. That it is super valuable. And that it was worth everything that he ever had. It's worth giving that up. First part of Philippians chapter 3, which this isn't on the board, but the first part of Philippians chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3 verse 2, he says, Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. Now, he named three things, but he's just, uh, he's just calling them one. He's talking about one group of people because it feels better when you chastise someone and name them three different names. That's why if a kid lies to me, I always say, you are a liar and a thief. It just feels better to throw another name in there. That's what Paul's doing. He's, he's, he's naming these people who say that you've got to follow the law to be saved and specifically follow the law as uh, like the Abrahamic covenant of circumcision. Got to do that to find salvation. And Paul's saying those people are dogs. They're men who do evil. They are mutilators of the flesh. He goes on then to say, well, I'm actually a pretty good person. They think they have confidence. They have reason to be confident. I'm more, I, you know, it's not a competition, but if it were a competition, I would have more reasons to be confident in the flesh. I was uh, born of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin. Circumcised on the eighth day, the tribe of Benjamin. I was, in regards to the law, I was faultless as regard to zeal. I, pers- I persecuted the church. He counts that in his good column. I was really passionate. I tried to kill people, guys. Some of you weren't paying attention until just that sentence. You're like, what? What did he say? Paul believed he was... He he said, "I, I have more reason to be proud of myself than those guys who are proud of themselves... But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything lost compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He says, and I, I keep on striving, not looking behind, but looking toward what is ahead so that I might participate in the suffering and the resurrection of Jesus. I've been given something. The things I earned aren't worth the things that I've been given. I don't have enough of good in me to pay for the good that God has given. I don't have enough of of success to pay for the grace of God. I can't do it. And then we're going to pick up in verse 12 of Romans chapter 3. And he says, not that I have already obtained all this. Not that I've already obtained all this. Or have already arrived at my goal. 
But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. There is a ton of weight in just that verse. But this series is called 316, not 312. But if we could just exist in a state of not that I have already obtained my goal. Or have already taken hold of these things. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. That that could change your life. What that's saying is I am not content where I am today. I am not ashamed of where I am today. But I am not content with where I am today. That tomorrow I am going to follow Jesus. I am going to strike. I am going to live more like Jesus has called me to live. More like Jesus is my king. So when we talk about grace and we talk about following Jesus. Those aren't mutually exclusive. It is by the grace of God that I get to follow Jesus as king. And when I refuse to follow Jesus as king, whenever I sit sit comfortably right where I've always been, when I'm content in my current situation, I am not doing, I'm not honoring the grace of God. I'm not even actually accepting the grace of God because it is by the grace of God that I get to follow Jesus. Now, he said I haven't already obtained it. Now, he's not moping. That's the worst. I'm not who I need to be. Yeah. Quit crying about it. Move on. Get better. We we might want to feel shame and wallow in our self-pity, but not being who you need to be is just the, the normal human condition. That's baseline humanity. Actually, brokenness is thinking that you're exactly who you need to be. Don't wallow in self-pity about your the fact that you've fallen short. All have fallen short of the glory of God. Okay, so we haven't obtained it already. Yep, normal. You're a normal person. Thinking you have just... You, you, you've arrived, that can ruin you just as a human being. It can work, ruin you in, your, um, in what, what you do for a living. Like, you won't get better. It can ruin you in your marriage. Thinking that this is just, this is just who I am. I don't, I don't get that. You want a, a lot of marriage counseling, you want to just doctor fill them? We'll get better. Duh. But it's not that simple, is it? We've got to first realize, this isn't, I haven't already obtained all this. I don't have it all figured out. He goes on, he says, I haven't obtained all of it. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Next slide, please. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But for one thing... I do. 
Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Verse 14. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You notice how this takes place? God calls me. By the grace of God, I am called to heaven. And along the way, I'm going to improve. See, a lot of times we get, even even those of us who will say, I believe in the grace of God, we will get the cart in front of the horse. And horses aren't great unless they're in front of the cart. They don't do a good job of pushing carts. You, we, we will sometimes even say, like, oh, but I hope I'm good enough. When did you being good enough become the X factor in your salvation? I hope I go to heaven. You know, I try to be a good person. When did you being a good person be the thing that, that, that brought heaven and earth together? You're not moving that mountain. He says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So God, God has called us to this prize. It is God's calling itself that is the prize. It's the thing that God has called us to. He called us before we were born, before we had, before we had our first sin. What? Why do we stay put? See, that's the conundrum. Is a lot of times we simultaneously think we're trying to earn it and fail to chase after it. And I think they're connected. Because... In, in me earning my salvation, there's a sense of hopelessness there. I, I just can't do it. Sometimes there's, there, there's that in, in um, I see that in marriages, I see that in um, a lot of other forms of counseling. Anytime I sit down with somebody, I, I tell them, do not evaluate yourself for a month. Do things to improve yourself all month. But if every day you're saying, is my marriage better now? Is my marriage better now? Am I better now? Am I better now? What about now? What about now? You're never going to feel like you've improved. It's going to be senseless. You just, you're never going to have like a, a sense of, I, I, we've, we've actually come away. The way we should do it is every now and then we should look back three years and look at the problems we had and say, oh, wow, we've come a ways. It may have been a little ways, but it's a way. And when we feel like we have to earn it, we know we can't. When we feel like that it's up to us, we can't accomplish it. Go. Today you are to run a marathon. That's your homework. Go run 26 point pie. I'm not sure what it is. It's a 26.2 miles. 
today. Karen Richards runs all the time. Could you do that today? No. Before breakfast. Well, it ruined my point. Could you do it after breakfast? No, she couldn't. See? Most, most of us, if we thought we had to overcome a huge obstacle today and we knew we couldn't do it, we wouldn't even get one mile in. So we simultaneously think, think we have to earn it and don't even try. But I would argue that if we know it's been gifted to us, then that gets us moving. If we know we've been given a gift, then, then that allows us to actually do good things. A man once gave me a thousand dollars and said, "Do good, do do good things with this for two weeks." And uh, I bought me so much stuff. That's not true. It was obviously he meant for other people, so I just had to like quietly go and do things for people. That was my week. And he wanted no credit, and he wanted me to receive no credit, and it was just—it was just something. It was, it was no exercise. No, we didn't talk about it afterwards. It was just a weird thing. But when I'm given something, I feel rude keeping it to myself. When I'm earning something, it seems quite natural. If we know we have grace, if we know we have, God has given us something and that all of the things we have earned don't matter. They're, they're worth nothing compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Then I'm going to start, I've got to start doing something with that stuff. I've got to start living out what I've been given. I've got to start acting on my grace. Earning Our salvation doesn't make us move. But accepting the grace of God will change your life. It'll change your your Tuesdays. You're going to look like a different human being because of the grace of God. And he says, this is God... I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Verse 15. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. I love this. And if on some point you think differently, that too will, God will make clear to you. Paul. I love it. We can learn from this. Paul is okay with someone else being wrong. Because he knows God can handle that. This is all about what God has done for us. Notice Paul's like, hey, you're wrong, but God's going to make that clear to you too. <laughs> Just let that ride. And then he says, verse 16. Only let us live up to what we have already 
attained. That's, that's the call of grace on my life. It's, it's not a heavy burden, but it is a high calling. It is not, it is not too much for me to bear, but it will strengthen me the more I bear. To live up to what we have already attained. I've used this analogy before, but those of you who've heard it before, just bear with me. On May 30th of 2005, I became a husband. May 30th or 31st, I can't remember. I became a husband. I was, we were all there and we all, it's just, just a, it's, it's a process we're so familiar with that it's not even, it doesn't blow our minds, but it should. Someone pronounced us married. You can just do that. I, that authority is vested in me. I could, don't mess with me. I will pronounce you married. I can do that. Peyton, pronounce. See, Mary. Just kidding. Yeah, that's law. You have to. You have to sign papers and stuff. <laughs> but I can. But someone just said, "You're married," and then all of a sudden, I went from being a fiance, which is cool and French, <laughs> to being a husband. And I was bad at it. I was bad at it for a long time. But I was no less of a husband. See, the gift that I found, the grace, was that I got to be married to Rachel. And we shared a name. And we we loved each other. And the gift was that she married me. And so I'm, I'm never more or less of a husband. I'm just improving as time goes on. And hopefully, right now I'm 35. When I'm 40, I'll be a better husband than I am today. And when I'm 45, I'll be a better husband and a better father. August 25th, 2008. I became a dad. And... I was an okay dad. And I'm still probably just an okay dad. But I'm no less a dad. The title that's been given me is the gift. But within that gift, I'm given the opportunity to grow and strengthen and be better. I'm given the opportunity to live up to that which I've already attained. So I am a husband. I am a dad. I am a son. I'm an 
I went, when, I, when my sister had her first son, his name is Noah. He's fantastic. He's smarter than everyone here. Maybe David. But beyond that, <laughs> ask him. Next time you see, those of you who know, know Noah, next time you see him, say, hey, what's um, the capital of, and then name an African country. He'll know it. He just knows it. He just knows everything. It's nuts. But whenever he, whenever he had, um, whenever she was pregnant with him, they found out that they were going to have a boy. And I told my class, we were taking prayer requests because I went to that sort of college. And we were taking prayer requests before class and they said, uh, Benjamin, how's, uh, we were praying for my sister and her pregnancy and they, they said, how's your sister? I said, actually, they just found out that it's a boy, so I'll be an uncle, not an aunt. <laughs> you had some freshman like, wait, what? How does that work? But I'm an uncle. I'm, we, we have all these titles. We are Christian. And you are saved. You are redeemed. You are called. You are resurrected. You will be resurrected. We have all these gifts, but within the gifts, we are living up to what we've already attained. We are not earning a prize. We are being pushed and guided and inspired by the prize. And so this week, Live up to what you've already attained. And one of the first steps in all of this is to recognize that you've already attained it. By the grace of God, you've been given salvation. Those of us who have been united with him, share in his death, burial, and resurrection. That is unshakable. Once we unite with Jesus, he does not let us go. And he will fight to keep you from letting him go. That we are, we are called to live up to that. I'm not scared to lose it. I'm not scared to lose it. I trust Jesus more than that. But I'm called, as Paul calls the Philippians, and himself. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. I'm not, I'm not the best Christian. Only one person is. And he's on the throne. He's not technically a Christian. It's weird. It's a weird process. But there's only one perfect man. And his name is Jesus. And he's our king. This week, just note that God has saved you. He has, he has redeemed you. If you've, if you've united with Him, if you've chosen to follow Jesus, God's grace covers you. But that grace does not leave us just somewhere, you know, like Paul says, let us keep on, shall we keep on sinning so that grace may abound? By no means. It, it, it lifts us and we are called to live up to what we have already attained. <clears throat> Whether that's in your marriage and you're living up to the title of husband or wife or father or mother or 
you're living up to titles you've already been given. Or whether it's in your Christian walk, you're living up to the title that you've already been given by the grace of God you've been given. Let us live up to that which we have already attained. Something that is far more valuable than anything that you're hoping to own here. It's mine. It's yours. It's ours. And as a community, as a people, as individuals, as husbands and wives, fathers, mothers, sons, daughters, we're called to live up to that. So what is one thing, just one thing, take it one thing at a time, one thing a week, what is one thing this week that you could do that would live up to the grace you've already attained? For you, it may be a week without fill in the blank. For you, it may be a week with a, a week that is full of adding this one thing. I'm going to pray this week. I'm going to read through Psalms 1 every day. I'm going to do a thing, to cut out a thing. I'm going to not raise my voice at my children. I'm going to treat my spouse with respect and love. What, what's a thing that you can add? What's the thing that you need to take away? I need to quit walking by this person's office at work. Because I enjoy their attention a little too much. What? Just one thing. But when you really zero down on it, those one things are big things. And it's only by the grace of God that we can overcome. It's only by the thing, by the gift we've already attained. The strength that comes from that, that we can live up to the things that we've already attained. Whatever you need this morning, whether you want to unite with Jesus in His death, burial, and resurrection, whether you want to repent, you need prayers, whatever you need this morning. Please come forward while we stand and Make me new.